Uh, hey guys, we are the Billmans. My name is Brett. This is my wife, Chrissy. We've been coming to Watermark for a little over six years, and then this May, we'll be celebrating our six-year anniversary. We started dating. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Uh, we started dating uh, about 13 years ago, and so there's a picture of us. I, I promise, puka shell necklaces were in at one point. <laughs> And yes, my hair was longer than hers. So that's, that's a fun picture. Uh, yeah, dated in high school. High school sweethearts. She's my only girlfriend. And I am not her only boyfriend. Um, <laughs> I like to hold that over her head. Uh, but yeah, so we've been dating for a while. We've been together for, uh, been married for six years. Chrissy actually got to work here at Re- on, the, on staff, working with Reengage for about 10 months before our little girl came. And then I've gotten to work here for about two years um, as finance director. So it's been a lot of fun. We've got a three-year-old little girl and a one-year-old little boy. So that's us. And uh, just wanted to come tonight and kind of share some of our story and where we've been. Even this, even um, just kind of a short six years, it's been a pretty crazy six years. So like I said, we grew up going to school together from third grade on. We went to a small private school here in Dallas. After much pursuit on my part, Chris finally agreed to go out with me. Once we graduated from high school, we went to Baylor University together. Chris got her degree in child and family studies, while I got mine in accounting. This should show you how different we are. We had a relatively volatile relationship while dating. We were both stubborn and really hot-headed. This would often lead us to fights that ended with someone storming off. Chris dragged me kicking and screaming to a premarital class at Watermark a year before we got engaged. That class was the beginning of realizing what a high call it is to be married to someone. Philippians 2, 3-4 through 4 just says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or in vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interests of others. So we got married in May of 2010. Circumstances were not ideal for a bride. The weekend before the wedding, I was hospitalized and diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Um, The entire wedding and honeymoon was spent with me being sick while Brett took care of me. He did a fantastic job at that, which started the process of me seeing him more as my savior and putting him on a pedestal. Brett was in public accounting, and for our first busy season of marriage, we would go days without seeing each other. After five months of marriage, we joined a foundation group here at Watermark. This consisted of six newly married couples meeting each week with a mentor couple, teaching us what it looked like to live in authentic biblical community. It was easy for us to be in that group and feel like we had it all together. Our mentor couple graciously but boldly exposed some of the ugliness that they were seeing in our hearts, such as pride and self-righteousness. It's possible that we weren't quite as healthy as we thought we were. As we were in full swing of learning what biblical community and authenticity looked like, I got pregnant at the beginning of January 2012. Eight weeks later, we learned that we had miscarried our first baby. This miscarriage started the process of truly confronting who I turned to for my comfort and answers. You know, I honestly turned to Brett to give me that comfort, the answers, and to take away the feelings of loss and pain. Fast forward six months, I found I was pregnant again. Much to my surprise, this pregnancy was extremely challenging. I found myself being angry with the Lord for first allowing a miscarriage and then being so sick with this new baby. 
thankfully, our little girl was born very happy and healthy in April of 2013. While I thought that we had all things marriage figured out, this new baby brought a whole set of challenges to our relationship. By this time, I had moved out of public accounting and had been working at a hedge fund for a couple of years. The first few days after bringing home our baby was a complete blur. I barely remember what happened that whole week I was off work. I selflessly sacrificed sleep and tried to be as involved as I possibly could. This is when I began to realize how much I liked my schedule. Before a baby, I could plan my day and time at home to accomplish the goals I wanted on my own schedule. Now, things would rarely ever go as planned when I was at home. On top of this, I didn't really feel connected to my newborn daughter. She wasn't interactive, and I didn't really know how to handle that. So I began throwing myself more and more into my work. At work, I knew my schedule. I could set my day and achieve the goals I wanted. I was doing well and enjoyed the accolades I received for my achievements. I began to be distant, even during the hours I was physically at home. Even though this is what was natural for me at the time, I still tried to fight it. I knew that I needed to be a strong husband and be present at home, but I just didn't know how to do that. It was hard battle that I wasn't used to fighting. It was much easier for me to let my title at work and my salary determine my value instead of letting Christ do that. Being a new mom brought a whole gamut of unexpected struggles. After only being at a job, this job, um, for 10 months, I had decided to stay at home with our little girl. Well, this has been my desire for many years. I found myself missing work, the adult interaction, and feeling like I didn't have any worth being at home with someone that couldn't even communicate with me. With hormones and the feeling of not being or not doing something of any worth, I began to look to Brett to give me value. Brett's job was very taxing, both while he was there and while he was at home. He would get home late most nights, which left me with all the household chores, including what felt like a single parent to our daughter. Um, The resentment began to build, but I wanted to be a good wife, so I kept it in. If you know me, you know that I can't do that very well, keep my feelings to myself. So after a while, I started becoming what Brett calls independent Chris, which no one wants to live with, let alone be married to. Through community and God's word, I was confronted with um, many truths about selfishness and where I was to find my identity. During this time, my community group guys started noticing how much work was taking over my life. They started asking tough questions and encouraging me to find a way to scale it back. I didn't really want to do this as I was afraid that it might change the things that gave me value. In the midst of these discussions, I was presented with a job opportunity that would greatly increase the flexibility of my schedule and surround me with people that would help me in the pursuit of finding my identity in Christ. The only problem was that I would be taking a pay cut and change my title to a much less desirable one in the world's eyes. My initial response was definitely not. What went through my mind was that I had worked too hard and too many hours to take a step back in my career like this. Through the encouragement of people I trust, I took a step back and tried to truly evaluate this new position. This was the first time that I started seeing and acknowledging how my sinful patterns were negatively affecting my family. It was also the first time that I saw that my view of work and money may not align with what the Bible says about those things. I knew this new job would change a lot of what was going on at home. While I didn't want to put my hope in the job, I truly believe that the Lord was leading Brett towards something that would do nothing but stretch and bring the Lord glory. While our lifestyles would have to change financially, I was willing to take that as long as I had my husband home, and honestly, taking steps to better his relationship with the Lord. 
I told Brett how much I supported him, no matter what his decision was, because I knew that nagging him would only make the situation worse. I wanted to let him know I was on his team, no matter what. But still, I had a lot to do um, for myself. After evaluating the possible job change in light of how it would positively affect my family and many other aspects of my life, we decided it was best to make the change. There was nothing magically different about my tendencies of control or withdrawing to work, but I was now more aware of them. I had a fresh start at a new job and was able to use that as a jumping off point for change. Honestly, I thought it would be really easy to just work less at my new job. I mean, come on, I work for a church, right? But it wasn't. The temptation to work more and earn the approval of those around me was and is definitely still present. At first, it was difficult for me to see what a huge advantage this newfound job flexibility really was. It didn't take long, though, for that benefit to become clear. Um, Almost exactly a year ago, we were sitting up here telling our story. Well, my wife was 31 weeks pregnant with our son. Uh, Just three weeks later, we received news that could have easily been a crushing blow. Chris was really sick. We had chalked it up to another difficult pregnancy. The first one was difficult, so it made sense that she was really sick with this one too. After being in the hospital for a week and running a bunch of tests, they found out that there was a tennis ball-sized tumor in the back of my wife's brain. We were stunned, to say the least. At first, there was an eight-week plan for delivery of our son and then removal of the tumor. Then things started spinning out of control. The symptoms progressed at such a rapid rate that our son was born through emergency C-section just days later. Five days after that, while still in the hospital, my wife collapsed in my arms and was unconscious. The doctor immediately made the call that we could wait no longer. She needed emergency surgery to remove the tumor. The next few days, there was so much uncertainty. All I could do was wait to see how and if my wife's body would recover from the brain trauma. Through this time of waiting, our family and friends never left our side. Without people around me constantly reminding me of the truth of God's word, I don't know if I would have been able to make it through this difficult time. The biggest challenge for me was missing so much of my new baby and my two-year-old's life. Um, By God's grace, I don't remember the pain and the agony I was in for almost two weeks. I do, however, feel like I missed out on so much of those little two kids. Um, I didn't get to bring my son home. Um, I didn't get to walk him through the door for the first time. I have foggy memories of him meeting his big sister because of all the medications they had me on um, for pain that persisted even with their help. I did, however, get to see the church be the church, the hands and feet of the man I say I believe in. This time in my life, the rubber met the road. Was I going to hold secure to the Savior I'd put my trust in years ago Or was I going to sit there and cry out, why me? Community played a huge role, again, through this process. Our group showed up at our house with meals, took the kids on more than one occasion to give our parents a break, organized people to clean our house, mow our yard, and provide us with meals. Most importantly, though, our community reminded us that God we serve had not abandoned us, but loved us with a love that is unconditional and had never once left our side. They reminded me of truth. My identity is not being a Brett's wife, not being in Landry and Colson's mom, and not in this half-bald woman that couldn't even hold her son when she got home, 
but reminded me that I am a loved, beautiful daughter of the king who wept with me and who comforted me in the hardest and darkest of times. So obviously, um, things went well from that surgery, and she just kind of kept getting stronger and healthier as uh, the days and the weeks progressed. But four weeks after being released from the hospital, her headaches started coming back. After a couple of checkups with the neurosurgeon, they found out that the glue they had used to close her skull had gotten infected. She'd have to go back in for yet another surgery. This felt like a step backwards in many ways. Chris had just started getting, out of, getting some of her strength back, so to need more surgery and more time in the hospital was so discouraging. What was supposed to be a routine surgery did not go as planned. Her brain swelled up and would not allow fluids to drain properly, which led to a really scary night. If her brain was unable to get rid of the fluid naturally, they were going to have to remove part of her brain to make more space. This was not fun news. Thankfully, through meds, her body reacted and was able to drain the fluid. 2015 was really rough, to say the least. And we were so thankful to close the books on it. Um, On our Christmas card this year, we even put, here's to kissing 2015 goodbye. Um, After the year we had had, we we were ready to be done with hospitals for a while. Unfortunately, the Lord had a different plan. Just four weeks ago, after we were already scheduled to come speak tonight, it was Brett's turn for a little bit of scare. Brett got sick, and we waited for the 24-hour bug um, to take its course. As the sickness worsened, Brett started complaining of terrible lower back pain. Because he's also type 1 diabetic, um, I called his endocrinologist to explain the issue. They asked us to come to the hospital to pump him full of fluids. After arriving late Tuesday night, they took blood work and started an IV with the full expectation that he would be released in a few hours. Once they got his blood work back, though, they immediately admitted him to the hospital. His kidneys were failing. The next few days were just a waiting game. His kidneys continued to worsen despite fluids and meds. The doctors had no idea what was happening. Once his levels reached a dangerous high, they put him through dialysis. From there, the doctors explained that, his, that this might be his new reality. Um, if his kidneys could not switch back on, he would be um, on dialysis for the foreseeable future. Again, we were sitting in the same hospital dealing with an unknown future. And again, the people in our lives showed up in a big way. The Lord was showing us yet again that I was to trust him with whatever the outcome would be. Thankfully, that one round of dialysis started Brett's kidneys again, and he quickly turned the corner. The common theme throughout our story has been community. Our marriage has always been relatively steady. No, things haven't always been perfect, but God has protected us from being in much worse places. In the good times and the bad, these friends have always been there. They've sat with us in living rooms and in hospital rooms. We've faced many uncertainties through medical challenges, but one constant is that these people have always been there to walk through it with us. They remind us of truth when we are tempted to believe the lies of this world. A couple of verses that remind me of this need are Romans twelve fifteen, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And Hebrews three thirteen, But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. If you don't have anyone in your life that knows what you're struggling with on a daily basis, that's one of the first steps. Get people around you that can spur you on towards Christ who surround you in hard times with encouragement and admonishment and who rejoice with you in times of victory.